When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Georgie Mosley is well known and much loved in Birmingham for carrying on the legacy of her son Harry, who raised money for others whilst battling cancer himself. When he sadly died in 2011, aged just 11, Georgie and her children vowed to continue the Help Harry Help Others charity in his memory. Since then, Georgie has gone on to do amazing things, pushing herself way beyond her comfort zone to keep the money coming in and support cancer patients and their friends and family around Birmingham. If you work through it and just break everything down to where you need to go with just one baby step at a time, not looking at the bigger goal, but just the first thing that needs to do, then you can get through anything. Welcome back to Brummie Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. Georgie from Sheldon, without doubt, is one of the most inspiring mums that I've ever come across. She has dedicated her life to helping Harry to help others. So let's get straight into talking to her to find out where she gets her drive, passion and motivation from to just keep pushing to help more families. Hi Georgie, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hi Zoe, thanks for having me. I think probably everybody in Birmingham knows about you and and everything that you do, it's just amazing. But for anyone who doesn't know, could you tell us a bit about Harry's story and, and what inspired you to start Help Harry, Help Others? Yeah, so Harry was my son um, and at the age of seven he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumour, went through chemo and radiotherapy um, and during his radio he met a gentleman at hospital, actually a 55-year-old businessman who after treatment heard that he was getting poorly and Harry wanted to help make his friend Robert better. His name was Robert Harley. Um, And so he actually himself started Help Harry, Help Others um, at the age of nine. And in the last two years of his life, through his famous bracelet making, um, he raised over £750,000 for other charities. Um, Very sadly, Harry's health took a, a turn for the worst in 2011, Um, He went down for surgery on August the 10th and was in a coma for three months and we sadly lost him on the 8th of October. Um, But yeah, he, you know, obviously brought a lot of joy to our lives and even though it's been 11 years on since we lost Harry, we absolutely miss him and 
would do anything to bring him back. But we are very proud of him and uh, everything we do today is still about Harry and, and his vision to help others. So for you and, and seeing how he reacted to his illness, was it just absolutely... Um, you know, it was obvious to you that you wanted to carry on his charity. Absolutely. You know, I, th- I think any child is resilient when they're faced with adversity because it's, you know, it become all Harry knew um, and they don't have the in-depth knowledge that we do as adults. And as a- adults, we overthink things and we stress about things. And, and for a kid, they just get on with whatever's presented to them. Um, you know, so obviously it was hard. But for me, yeah, carrying on with Harry's charity, don't get me wrong, at first when Harry passed away, I, I was probably very angry and bitter with the with the world. And if anybody deserved to be here, it was Harry. Um, but actually just not for, just from losing Harry, but the impact that cancer had on us as a family, um, you know, in terms of routine, our lifestyle, seeing the impact on his older brother and sister. I was just like, no, this is not acceptable. And it left so much anger with me that I wanted to channel that into making things better Um for other people and you know in all honesty just Harry left me this incredible platform and I didn't want that to go to waste so it just closed everything down um of course it'd never be the same without Harry because he was the spearhead and the figure of everything and he still is you know he's, he's our branding it's uh but for me it was just important to continue Yes. And do you think it's from having that lived experience that you know where to send the funds to that you are so brilliant at raising? You know, you, you've got the you've got the um, help cure for research, help cope for financial hardship, help care, which is your amazing drop in cancer support centre. Is, is that because you know what families actually do want and need? Yeah, I mean, our story was, you know, 11 to 13 years ago, you know, when Harry was going through it. So, you know, today in the here and now, it's our service users, it's their voices that matter. But the beauty of us that we are a very small charity is that, um, you know, we can be reactive to, for example, the pandemic when the world shut down, you know, cancer didn't stop because the pandemic was here. If anything, it increased fear and anxiety. So it was listening to our clients' voices that enabled us to react and put things in place that they needed. But absolutely, you know, years ago, I felt quite intimidated because I'm not obviously a cancer specialist. Let's face it, I'm a mum who's just been through cancer with my son. Um... So when people, you know, there was this pressure of suddenly being this cancer charity boss um, that I was quite, felt quite overwhelmed. But I always say to people, no, actually, never underestimate the, you know, lived experience because it's powerful. Um, I don't need to understand cancer, but I, under, I understand how cancer changes lives. Um, and that's what I'm here to address. So... I mean, I can't imagine what you went through. It must be so devastating. How would you say, for maybe others that are going through really difficult times, how did you kind of refine your joy? Um, well, my joy has always been my children. So for me, you know, not just Harry, but his brother and sister, Louis and Danny, 
Um, you know, when Harry's still my joy, you know, this is the only thing that I can now do for Harry. As I said, you know, he started this, not me, it's not to my credit. Yes, I've evolved it, but um, so to, to be Harry's mum and support his vision and his dreams because he's not here, that gives me joy. Um, and obviously, you know, I've got my children and I'm a grandma now, you know, I've got two, two gra amazing grandchildren. Um, and that's my purpose. That's my focus. That's what brings me joy um, every single day. Oh, that is so lovely. You said in the past that Harry inspired you to believe in yourself and make it happen. I know that's kind of a bit of a slogan for yeah. the charity. Is that part of how you find your constant motivation, along with the, the, the other kids, as you say, and the grandchildren? Absolutely. You know, Harry absolutely gave me an important message. And I, you know, one of the things that I say that Harry taught me was that regardless of your age, your wealth, your lifestyle and your well-being, you can achieve anything if you're passionate enough. And that was the message that he instilled in me, you know. And, and as Harry used to always remind me, he was a very cheeky chappy. I'm not the sharpest tool in the box. <laughs> and I can definitely <laughs> say that everything that has been created is through just sheer being determined and just hard work. Um, do I do things the best? I do things to the best of my ability. Could somebody like another CEO that's got trains, college, university experience come in and do things a bit slicker and better with tools and models and strategies? Of course they could, you know, but... For me, my only goal was to do the best that I can do as Harry's mom. So it was him that gave me that confidence. And, you know, we we can't be doing things bad. We, we've survived the pandemic. We're still here 10 years on. Not going to lie, it's challenging. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud that we are still here supporting the 1,100 families that we do from the Cancer Centre. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what people love so much about you. It's your authenticity. It's so genuine what you're doing. It's You're not like a, a figurehead. It's just, it really comes from the heart, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm not I'm not interested in being a figurehead or, you know, for me it's you know my joy is seeing that how people walk in our building and how they leave. Um, I suppose the only sadness that I've got is now that we're a very small charity and my time is so spent so much on the vision and also, um, you know, keeping the pennies rolling in that prevents me from ha spending as much time as I'd like to, like in the early days, sat with clients, you know, but. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I know that the drop-in center was the first for Birmingham. What difference has that made to the lives of people who use it? Um, I'd say that it, it's impacted on people in so many different ways that you can't pinpoint it. And that's because we offer over 20 services on site. As I said, you know, we're not the medical cancer specialists. You know, they have the wonderful hospitals for that and the hospices. But we're for the, the missing link in between hospital and hospice. We cover all the all the change that occurs because of that cancer diagnosis. The beautiful thing is that, you know, we support 
um, not just the cancer patient, but the relatives, the carers, the friends, the work colleagues. And we offer everything from if somebody's having a bad day and they want to just drop in and have a cuppa to qualified therapeutic counselling support. We do coaching, mentoring, breast care and bra fitting. Uh, We have a wig fitting service. We have loads of different support groups like therapeutic 10-week support programmes. We have groups just for men. Uh, we have care and share buddy groups and, and so many, so many other things that go on site here. Um, so, you know, it reduces isolation. It helps people to not only deal with the stuff and the issues and the trauma, but also to look forward and rebuild their lives after cancer or after caring for a loved one with cancer so um and there's no waiting times no referral processes no postcode lottery so i just tried to create what we really wish that was there for us when we were going through it with harry you know and on top of it all with all the you know cost of living crisis we've got benefit support housing debt and financial advice on site as well so and it's for all ages, isn't it? Yeah, our youngest client is six and our oldest is 86. <laughs> Gosh, that's amazing. It's such a, an asset to the city, it really is. I know you've done so many other things as well. So tell me a bit about respite renovations. Yeah, so respite renovations was something that we launched years ago, um, following people that we'd help through our help, help cope grant giving, um, approaching us and making us aware of family members and, and really the state of their homes that they were left to live in. And in, you know, 2018 or whatever, when it first came about, I just thought, how can people be left because they own their homes to live in this when it's not suitable for their health needs, you know, when when people go through something, not just cancer, but any life-changing illness, it can affect your mobility. And also your home that you've loved for years suddenly becomes unhabitable. Um, So respite renovations is about making homes safe, first and foremost. And whether it's that I'm going into a garden and we're just slabbing it so that enables somebody who's housebound to be able to go in the garden and get some fresh air or we've done a complete renovation to the value of about £60,000 and it was like a DIY SOS makeover to a family of a young girl, um, little Emily was 18 months old and she had retinoblastoma cancer of the eye and while she was in um, America for treatment I had access and I just put a big appeal out on my personal Facebook and said guys help I've said we're going to help this family we need and the list just went on and on and on Um, and we transformed the house so when they came back they actually had a home Um, and the sad thing is you know because they own the home they couldn't afford the repairs that had been left over years and years to deteriorate and they were in such a bad way so I'm really grateful that you know that the family trusted us to do that we made the house look spectacular um and it was it become a home rather than a death trap very sadly little Emily took a turn for the worse about four months after they came back so I was actually even more pleased that we did the house because from a parent who has lost a child to see what that family were were going through by the loss of Emily. I don't know how I would have coped having to go home to the house before we 
made it a home for them um, because that, you know, sometimes things can be too much to get through. Um, so we allowed them a nice space to be able to grieve. And like Harry with his brother and sister, you know, little Emily had older sisters and, you know, the house was opened up so that they could have their school friends over. Um, so, so it's something very special. We don't, we don't say every year we're going to do one, but as and when we're approached by a family that say their health needs are, are, are quite poor and home's not right, I go and assess the situation and we do something about it. Fantastic, because you, as you, you're right, you do need that safe place, don't you? That, that comfortable space just for you. Yes, yeah. So, Georgie, it's very exciting that the Birmingham Walkathon is back ten years after the last walk in 2013. Tell me about your involvement and why you decided to bring it back to Brum. Yeah, so I had a crazy idea a few years ago. I've, you know, I remember doing, I think anybody of a certain age, shall we say, like me, um, will remember the, the, it used to be the BRMB Walkathon. Um, for many years, yes. it ran in Birmingham from the 1980s right up until about 2014. Um, just after Harry died, they renamed it the Walk for Harry. Um, and then it's never been done. And to me, when I think of Birmingham, you know, that's one of the heritage events. And I just thought, yay, let's bring it back. <laughs> Although with two weeks to go, I'm sort of regretting it because the organisation of it is a logistical nightmare. So, um, but we'll <laughs> get there, we'll get there. But it's basically a number, it, it's a walk around the number 11 bush route, Um yeah, so you can start at Kings Heath and Rookery Park. You can do the full route, which is a staggering 26 miles. But actually, I'm trying to make the, the, the walk inclusive for all ages and all abilities. So even people with mobility problems or young children can take part. So you can either do a half route, um, which is 11 and a half miles, or you can do one, three, five or 10 laps, which are 0.6 mile a lap around Kings Heath Park. And it's about saying, you know, I, I I scroll sometimes down my social media feeds and I see all these events and it's always you've got to do, you've got to run a marathon, you've got to do the, you know, the Ironman competition. And actually to motivate people when it's too much of a challenge, that's why people say no. So for me, who are we as a society to say what's a challenge for somebody? If If a challenge for somebody is literally walking up the stairs once, that's fine. That's okay. If you, you know, you, you measure your own success. Don't let others dictate what a success should be. Um, so that's what that's all about. And it's Sunday, the 2nd of April. Um, it's free to sign up with the cost of living crisis. We just ask that people um, try and raise a minimum of £50 because it's actually, although I'm organising it with a wonderful um, committee of volunteers supporting me, um, it's actually raising money for Help Harry and five other incredible charities. So we're trying to tackle things like, you know, men mental health, domestic abuse. There's a couple of children's charities. Um, so where all the money comes back into our beautiful city, helping all of our people. It's wonderful. It's a really, really good idea and great to hear it's coming back again. 
Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be an annual event that, you know, each year we can, you know, revolve the, the, chari- the charities um, and just an event that will make a real difference to Birmingham. And, and for us, it's about keeping our cancer centre going. You know, we still don't receive any government funding. I have to fund, I don't have an events team or a fundraising team. That's me. Um, but obviously, the more that we do, the more people we help that's a bigger pressure on me. So I'm hoping this will be our annual event for, uh, you know, for the community. I was going to ask you about that, actually, because I know that you are a very small charity. Uh, I yes. just wonder how you keep coming up with ideas to raise the money and keep it coming in. I know you've done bungee jumps and skydives, abseils, you know, keynote speaker. Uh, and I know you roller skated for 16 hours for what would have been Harry's 16th birthday. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I actually topped that last year. Harry would have been 22. So on his 22nd birthday, I roller skated for 22 hours nonstop. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It it was just something that I, do, I never have the, the privilege of sitting and sort of plan, other than the walkathon, sort of planning events 12 months ahead. So literally the week before Harry's birthday, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't organised the challenge. What can I do? that's you know not costly that I can just literally turn up and just put myself through pain or whatever and I had a pair of roller skates in my in my shed obviously from when I did the 16 hours and I just thought you know what another five hours on top of that 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 was something um and I did it and I just turned up in the car park because everybody wanted to charge me about three thousand pounds for a roller ring so I said, no, I'm just going to do it on the car park outside the cancer centre. And I did, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose I just live and breathe how Harry It's my life, isn't it? So I'm constantly thinking, you know, when I get time to think, it's like, you know, what can we do that's different? Um, you know, and that's, you know, it's keeping it innovative and coming up with fresh ideas that um, that keep us going. Looking back, do you think that you would have ever imagined yourself doing all these things? No, I mean, you know, you you can see me on this. So uh, this body's not built for fitness. So, <laughs> um, yeah, why I'm why I'm not a size zero, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've yeah, I've climbed Snowdon back to back ten times. I've done the Three Peaks Challenge. We've cycled Cornwall to Birmingham, um, but it's yeah. At the end of the day, I just don't think about it. A lot of the time, I just turn up and go with whatever's needed from me to to just keep this keep the charity going. So I know you've branched into other areas as well. You've been skip speaking to school children about social enterprise and young offenders, and of course, you've got Harry the Hero activity packs to help kids achieve their dreams. Why did you decide to develop that side of the charity, and what's been the impact of that? Um, I suppose for me, as I said earlier, you know, Harry's message is about showing kids that regardless of your age, your wealth, your lifestyle, your well-being, you can achieve anything if you're passionate enough. I think what people don't see, you know, yes, I might run a cancer charity, but, um, you know, Harry was from a council estate. He didn't come from a family with lots of money. You know, I still live in that council house now. Um, you know, but yes, Harry had the support and love off his family, like most kids do. But there's an awful lot of children that actually don't. And 
you know, this is about using Harry's story to show them that, yeah, Harry wasn't, a, you know, a rich kid, a posh kid, um, you know, didn't ha- he wasn't fortunate in those terms, but he had passion and he worked hard. And it's about saying to any child, whatever your circumstances, because there's a lot of kids out there that don't get support. So it's about saying to them and using Harry's story as an example to say, well, as long as I believe in myself and whatever my dreams are, I can go and do, you know. And when I go into a lot of schools, I get children in the school say, well, I can't be like Harry. And what they forget is that Harry never set out to win Britain's Kindest Kid or to raise £750,000. He started just making one bracelet and that bracelet led to other bracelets that then led him to him talking in his local school, then led him talking in lots of different schools. Then he was at networking events. Then he was in front of footballers in London and big events for other large charities, you know. Doors opened and opportunities happened. So to show that example, you know, and it's the same as with me, you know, I had never in a million, my only goal was to do the best that I could do as Harry's mom. I didn't think the charity would be here two years after Harry's passing. I just thought it'd be a short-term thing while Harry's, sadly, his death was like the current story. Um, and I just thought, we'll see what happens. But we're here 10 years on, the charity's evolving. Um, and it's because of passion and hard work and just keeping sight of the focus on how we're trying to make a difference to people going through cancer. I know a lot of what you've done has really taken you, as you said, out of your comfort zone. Do you think we should all try to reach beyond our comfort zones? Absolutely, yes. You know, sometimes, you know, I always say it's like I wear two hats. I've got my hat as Harry's mum, as in help Harry and anything that's about the charity. I just, I'm a million miles. I don't, I'm not phased. I just go and do whatever's needed. But then as in my personal, like, real personal life that, that that that's private and my own aspirations and dreams of doing things then it's that I think too much and that you know that self-doubt creeps in and stuff you know and it's just about if you don't try you know the, the worst that thing that you can do is it doesn't work out but if it doesn't work out you've tried it you know I yes. make, make mistakes all the time but I'd rather make mistakes and know that I've tried it than always left be left wondering what would the outcome be you know yeah oh yeah it'd be worse to regret never having tried yes absolutely you were given a pride of birmingham award and named west midlands woman of the year you were also a baton bearer at the commonwealth games how does all that make you feel um, it was, an, you know, all of them has been a real great honour, you know. I mean, I, I suppose the thing that I loved the most was that Harry was nominated to run with the Olympic torch many years ago, but sadly he he passed away following his nomination by John Terry. So I ran on his behalf. It wasn't about me. That was Harry's, uh, you know, credit to Harry. Um, so then to tie that in with the Olympic torch, Uh, sorry, the uh, baton for the Commonwealth Games, it was obviously an honour. But, you know, what I do is it's not about awards and recognition. Um, I never actually nominate us for anything. Um, You will never see us, you know, it's only somebody else has thought of nominating us out of respect for that person. We obviously 
go forwards but um so yeah so proud achievements but it's not something that it's um it's not what motivates me to do what I do shall we say (laughs) what have been some of your real highlights over the years absolutely the cancer center um you know uh I, I think when I first set the charity up with the with the help cure cope and care objectives the cancer center was missing off that and then once I'd um had the a few years later had the idea for that um just seeing how it's evolved and the demand now on our services you know we have over 100 people a week walking through our doors so to be able to help them has been a real highlight and and actually to say that again going back to that lived experience that look what's being created not from being clever or um but just from having an idea and taking action so you know to anybody out there if you've got an idea just go with it just put it into action and whatever the outcome you've tried it absolutely so what's next for help harry help others um survival is definitely next you know it's challenging times it's you know it's 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 wonderful to have this conversation but i think every charity out there at the moment with we've had non-stop noise in the world you know and some really bad hard times since the outbreak of the pandemic so keeping us going is definitely the focus for now although we've got some exciting things we've just um, you know, been passed an audit with the NHS. We're going to be offering lung screening from our site here, which I'm immensely proud of, you know, that we're now finally getting the credibility and support and working partnership with the NHS. Um, so, um, yeah, and then hopefully a holiday after the walkathon <laughs> so I can sleep. Yes. But just evolving our services, you know, we can't, I don't think we can possibly add anything else to what we do. It's just about making things a little bit better. And perhaps when the time is right, having more resource in place internally. So so I can slow down a bit because I'm getting on a bit now. (laughs) (laughs) So we have three questions that we ask all of our guests. So I'm going to fire them at you now if that's Okay. okay. So what would be two things you would say to your 18-year-old self if you had the chance? Study, study, study. Yeah. So I love learning and I get frustrated because I just don't have the time of all the things that I want to learn. Obviously, I take what I do really seriously. So I have undergone two um, counselling courses, um, the last one being last year, But it was so hard to do around the hours. You know, I work a 60-hour week, Monday to Friday here. That's without if I've got things of a weekend. So that was hard. And I guess for me at 18, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, you know. But saying that, I'm nearly 50 and I still don't know what I want to do in life. So learn. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say study, go to college, go to uni, whatever, because I didn't have those opportunities. So what are three things that you love to do every day? What gives you a good start and end to the day and maybe a good routine? So I try and get in the office for 5am. So I have wow. three, three, three and a half hours on my own where I can just focus, get a plan for the day, catch up with things. Um, and I end the day very, very early, as you can imagine. <laughs> I try and sleep well um, because I'm up so early. Um, yeah, but just it, it is just 
I think self-care, you know, obviously is very important. So uh, I'm very boring on a school night, shall we say, Monday to Friday. And I'm in bed very early, just just trying to keep the balance because I literally, from the moment I walk in till the moment I leave, um, you know, after 12 hour days, um, I don't stop. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, you would need to look after yourself with that kind of day. It's a busy day, isn't it? What would be the one piece of advice you'd give to somebody going through hard times? How could they, how could you help them to rediscover their joy? So I'd say to anybody that's going through um, a hard time right now is even though you might not see the wood through the trees um, and you might not think that there's an ending to the hard time, um, it's just about holding on. Get as much support as you can. Um, you know, whether that's from friends, from families or from from professional support, whatever your problem is, and just stick with it because everything does change and in time um, and you have the power to change whatever you're going through. Um, One door leads to another. Um, So if you act and do nothing, nothing's going to change. But if if you work through it and just break everything down to where you need to go with just one baby step at a time, not looking at the bigger goal, but just the first thing that needs to do, then you can get through anything. That's such good advice. And just finally, could I ask you, how has everything that's happened changed your outlook on life absolutely yes um you know my outlook now is very different and I think anybody that's been through something so traumatic in their life can it will probably resonate with them too you know as I say you know I'm not I'm not materialistic, you know, for me, um, I like to live quite a simple life when I'm not doing this, but that's also about the balance. But, um, you know, I've I've not only losing Harry, but I actually lost my mum about 18 months after Harry passed. Um, She actually committed suicide. She'd suffered with depression and mental health problems for years. So with what we do here at the Cancer Centre, it's actually... You know, it's my way of support. We support the mental well-being of cancer patients and their families. So for me, this place is about Harry. It's about my mom. Um, but it's about I understand the dark, dark days for people. Um, so I just think that, you know, whatever whatever people are going through, if they just stick with it and get that support, um, then you can, you know, achieve anything and you know your outlook definitely changes when you've been through you know for all of our service users here who have been through cancer I always try and say to them about yes it's hard and you might tell me to shut up but at the end of this you know you walk from cancer you will have the strength you will have sadly it takes for us sometimes for the world to make us to stop to actually reassess everything um and I used to give the pandemic as a perfect example of somebody that's never experienced cancer. If you look at the pandemic, it's the closest thing to it. Our world, for the re- for all of us, our world changed overnight. We were told to go home. You know, it affected our relationships. For lots, it affected our lifestyle. It affected our communication. It affected our mental health, our finance, and I can go on. So that's the closest example of when 
your world stops because of cancer, it affects your life in so many areas that it's actually just as important as the health, you know? So for me, it's about, you know, now it's cherishing every moment and, and appreciating what's important in life, you know, which is family. Yeah, yes. That is what's so important at the end of the day. Well, it's so good to talk to you, Georgie. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. And I just wish you lots of success with everything. How can people donate and get involved with Help Harry, help others if they want to? Oh, we'd love everybody to get involved. So to donate or to have a look at what we do in more detail, visit hhho.org.uk. And if anybody wants to check out the walkathon to volunteer to 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 walk with us, um, it's brumwalkathon.co.uk. That's brilliant. Thanks, Georgie. Thanks so much for having me. You can read more about Georgie Mosley on the Birmingham Live website and on the Brummie Mummies Facebook page. And you can find out more about her charity and events via her website, hhho.org.uk. You can download or stream new episodes every fortnight on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow Brummie Mummies on social media and sign up to our free newsletter. See you next time.